0: What do healthy boundaries and respect look like in a relationship?
1: Well, healthy boundaries and respect means that you acknowledge in a relationship, it's not just about you. It's about someone else. It's about you and the other person. It's about making space for someone other than yourself. Welcome, friends, to the New and Improved Living and Leading with Emotional Intelligence podcast by Emotional Intelligence Magazine. Emotional Intelligence Magazine is a one-stop resource for anyone looking to learn more about emotional intelligence. In addition to articles, videos, and recommended books to help you develop and expand your EI, Emotional Intelligence Magazine offers a platform for EI coaches and specialists so they can connect with individuals who are ready to take their life or business to the next level. Learn more by visiting ei-magazine.com, that's ei-magazine.com, or follow us at Instagram at the underscore ei underscore magazine, the underscore ei underscore magazine. You can find these links and more in today's show notes. I'm Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin.
0: Hi, and I'm Rifka Slatkin. And we're the founders of the marriage restoration projectcom We also have a podcast called "Can This Marriage Be Saved," and we'll be your guest hosts for today.
1: So today we're going to talk about the topic of how relationship issues parallel workplace challenges. Now, we are relationship therapists. I'm a licensed uh, clinical professional counselor and a certified Imago relationship therapist. And my wife Rifka, and I were, were workshop presenters, uh, but we also do we also work with businesses because we see that. The same issues and emotional intelligence or lack thereof that appear in relationships, in in committed relationships, also appear in the workplace. And the same things that you can do to, to fix relationships apply to those relationships at work as well.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We've been in practice for over, I'd say, 17 years now. And our journey started when our own marriage started experiencing some trouble 20 years ago. So we've been talking about emotional intelligence and emotional safety for all that time. And it's only recently that we've noticed out there in the world, um, lately, there's buzzwords of emotional intelligence and psychological safety. And those words didn't seem to really be around when we got started with Imago therapy 20 years ago. And that was um, the, founded by Dr. Harville Hendricks, and he's really the brainchild of I think or at least our first experience in the world of what does it mean to be psychologically safe and what does it mean to be emotionally intelligent and his research back in the 80s when he was being served divorce papers while he was teaching a marriage and family class in college when he realized you know what I'm being served divorce papers but I'm teaching a marriage and family class that feels a little bit hypocritical so he decided to go on a journey to research why does the dream dream relationship turn into the nightmare. And long story short, he he came up with amazing discoveries outlined in his book, his signature book, Getting the Love You Want. But one of the most uh foremost lessons uh and teachings in his book is the idea of safe communication and safety so the brain feels safe so people can feel psychologically safe to be able to interact optimally. And that is really the same for marriage, for any committed relationship, like Shlomo said, in the workplace, any relationship, any interchange that you want to be successful with another person, whether it's a customer, a colleague, a boss, a partner, a child, any relationship that you have, any interchange you have needs to be emotionally safe. And today we're going to talk about what does that mean? Well, you probably already know if you're an EI enthusiast, you already know a lot about emotional intelligence, and that's great news because you'll really understand and hopefully appreciate everything we have to share with you today. And continuing along the lines of the overlap between relationships and the workplace, just a little bit more about the background that Shlomo gave you uh, when he introduced himself, we were asked to speak uh, and host this podcast because of our commitment to emotional intelligence in relationships. You can read a little bit more about our work uh, on our website, The Marriage Restoration Project, and in Business Insider Magazine. Um, so today we're going to talk about three issues that plague marriages and also plague colleagues at work. So there's many more than three that we could have picked, but we sort of um, just went with the top three Issues that are most frequently complained about at work. So, dun dun dun. Shlomo, do you want to?
1: Yeah. So do number drum one. Roll? Communication. That's a right.
0: You probably could have right. guessed. Right. <laughs> communication is probably most challenging.
1: Right. How do you get your message across? How do you motivate uh, your employees or your coworkers? How do you communicate what what you're feeling? How do you avoid mis- misunderstandings and miscommunications? Uh, and we find that learning this makes a huge difference. We we were working with a, an international company who was doing, just learning about how to have safe communication. They started employing it right away and they reported back that it made a huge difference. It be able to resolve conflict, uh, able to, you know, if someone wanted, didn't want to sign a contract and they were have a whole fight about it. And when they were able to employ some of these safe communication skills, it really made a difference. Because communication we, we cannot not communicate we have to interact some way and the only way to do that is effectively is to do it in a place where both people can feel safe but when a person feels triggered when a person is feeling threatened and defensive they're going to be focused on one thing alone is that and that is themselves so you know at work you want to be focused on how can we how can we do something for the greater good how can we benefit the company how can we be most effective if you're spending your energy, feeling defensive, protecting yourself. You're not able to think logically about what can I do for the company? What can I do uh, to work out the situation? I'm thinking mostly about myself. Um, So safe communication is important to be able to do that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure those of you listening could think about interchanges or interactions that you wish You know, would have gone better than they had and you'd like the opportunity uh, to fix them or perhaps you're working with clients and you want to help coach your clients on how they can have better communication and we're going to give you some tips on that. Before we do, should we go into the next two points that we're going to cover today just to give everybody a sense of all three? Let's do number two, three, and then we'll come back to number one. So the second issue that uh, overlaps the intersection between couples and workplace riffs is
1: respect and boundaries, or lack thereof. This is important. Any relationship, of course, respect is a cornerstone in any relationship, and, and healthy boundaries. Um, you know, if you don't have healthy boundaries in a relationship, you don't really know wh- who, where am I, and where is this relationship, and you know, it was just intertwined and meshed. Uh, so, being able to to establish that uh, it makes the team work better.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll help you with how to come at your partner or your boss or your colleague or your client with a little bit more respect for their boundaries. And the third intersection of relationships and workplace is expectations. Ex- expectations, yeah. right? Expectations.
1: And how expectations can really set yourself up for some, some serious issues in a relationship. I would say expectations are really premeditated resentment. Um, you're really kind of setting yourself up to be upset and, and resentful. So what can we do to remedy that as well? So let's go back to talking about communication and there's so much we can talk about, but let's like just share with you maybe a, a few, a few tips, ideas. Um, number one is to create safe communication and to get, make sure, you know, how do you ensure a person, obviously, you know, you're not shouldn't yell at somebody, shouldn't be negative, criticize someone, of course, all those things makes a person defensive, but, we are kind of wired to be self-protective. So we're always constantly on guard. So the first step to any successful communication, it seems quite easy and quite obvious, but is appointments. So we find just in relationships and at work as well, making sure the other person is available to talk. So instead of just like barging in somebody's office and just start telling them why, you know, I don't like the way that you wrote this paper and you have to do this and that. Checking in with them. I'd like to make a time to talk to you Uh, about you could even say about such and such a topic are you available now if not when when you have the time to speak it
0: makes all the difference because i mean think about the times you've been caught off guard or you feel like it just wasn't a good time and then things sort of escalated or or unraveled um or you know the usually the person wasn't ready to hear what you had to say um or you know maybe the way you said it was going to be a negative topic or a big issue that would require a little bit more preparation you know for the other person to feel prepared to have this difficult conversation so making sure that the other person this kind of overlaps with respect and boundaries, but making sure the other person is available to listen to what you have to say is I think almost 80% of the battle, you know, and then the 20% is the emotional intelligent part where how are you going to share what you're saying in a way that's respectful and that's conscious and you know, that's going to be well received.
1: But and in emotional intelligence, it's all about being intentional. So intentional means I'm, making sure that you're available now, it's a good time. And also for the person who's listening, that they can be intentional in how they receive it because if they're just getting caught off guard and reacting, they can't really have an intentional conversation either. And then as Rifka mentioned, in terms of how do you actually say it in a way that it's received, trying to understand about how do you articulate your feelings, meaning your frustration. There's usually, an, the challenges are when there's a problem, when there's a frustration, when there's something that needs to be remedied. So. Trying to learn how to, you know, an emotionally intelligent person takes responsibility for their feelings. They don't just, you know, explode on somebody and they don't just point fingers. They talk about what they feel like. So obviously, it's not always an emotional thing at work. It could be just you have an issue with the way they did a job. But the more that you can use I statements and also ask for what you want, instead of just focusing on the frustrations, you ask for what you want. So if something's bothering you, what is it that you need from from your coworker, from your employee? What do I need from you? And think about it in that way. So I really need you to be able to do this in a timely manner as opposed to, you know, you took so long to do this. We have a deadline. We lost $10,000 because of you. You That's not really helpful in terms of your goal. So keeping the goal in mind to be emotionally intelligent and to be able to say what you want, what you need, as opposed to what's bothering you. And underneath every frustration is really an unmet need. So, what is that unmet need that you have? Um, and again, it doesn't, in relationships, it's usually something more emotional, something more profound. But even in a, any interaction, there's an unmet need, even a practical unmet need for the company that you can address and suggest as opposed to pointing out the fault of the other person. That will it capture your audience much better. That will have them more attentive and more willing to actually work together with you because when a person feels attacked and criticized, then they're much more like, unlikely to to kind of be on board and work together where if you make them feel safe, they're more likely to listen.
0: So that was a lot of stuff. Let's recap, Shlomo, uh, for the first point on communication. Let's recap kind of the three small pieces related to communication that we provided listeners to improve their interchanges. Number one was setting an appointment, asking the other... I'd like to make a time to speak with you about something, is now a good time? Or if not, you know, when would be a good time to talk about something? So the appointment is really going to set you up for success. And it's really uh, critical to making sure your interchanges go well. Number two, uh, Shlomo, you mentioned using I statements and really taking stock of how emotionally intelligent what you're sharing and sending is gonna sound to the receiver. So you wanna make sure you use I statements. And I guess part three is you want to also ask for what you need rather than focusing on the frustration. So I really need you to be timely in handing in your reports, um, not you missed the deadline, you cost the company a lot of money. So so these three points should really make a big difference with communication point number
1: one before we move on we'd love to share with you a little bit about our website and our podcast we have a podcast called can this marriage be saved we have a lot of interesting episodes where you can learn a lot about uh, relationship challenges how to solve them common common questions that that couples have um of course this can be applied as well to your business we're also happy to share with you a lot of our free resources on our website at restoration restoration www.TheMarriageRestorationProject.com Now back to the show.
0: Okay Shlomo, so we talked about three commonplace interactions that maybe aren't so great sometimes. The pitfalls of where things go wrong in relationships and at work. So we said number one, communication problems could probably be the most popular pitfall and challenge and hopefully we provided a lot of applicable pointers out there so people could improve their communication. Point number two was respect and boundaries. So important for really all of your relationships, again, but also at work and in a committed relationship. So Shlomo, you're the marriage counselor. You tell us what does healthy boundaries, what do healthy boundaries and respect look like in a relationship?
1: Well, healthy boundaries and respect means that you acknowledge in a relationship it's not... Just about you. It's about someone else. It's about you and the other person. It's about making space for someone other than yourself. Now, you know, obviously it's, it's a little bit different sometimes when you're, when you're in the workplace, but it's still the idea that all because I think a certain way doesn't mean that that's the way that, that you think. I can respect your differences. And this is ex- especially challenging when you have multiple people working with you. Everybody has a different opinion. And if you want to be able to show that respect, enable people to have a voice. One way that we find is, I mean, it's related to communication also, but one way that we find it's helpful to respect people is to, you know, not to just interject, not to cut them off, not to rebut them, but to give them a voice, to give them the opportunity to share what they're feeling, to give their input. And instead of responding, just to listen. Uh, You know, we teach couples and we teach business, people in business to mirror to actually repeat back what the person says. Now, if you're just doing that, they might think you're strange, but you can kind of improvise. You know, sounds like what you're saying is, you know, you really were hoping that I would give you more time to work on this project because very big project. There's a lot of work here. It's very intricate. Whatever the situation is, and instead of going kind of into your feeling about it and your anxiety about it, you're making space. You're setting up a healthy boundary to let that person have a voice, let them have that opportunity to to input and that their input is valuable to you.
0: It's so important. It, it, when your employees feel, uh, respected and that, that they really contribute meaningfully to the company, it will enhance their self-worth, which will really enhance their performance and their ability to problem solve and do their best job. But if you're the one, you know, kind of talking down and shooting down their ideas all the time and just kind of trying to get everybody to go along with what you think is best, they really won't perform optimally. You'll see increases in sick days or, you know, uh, you just, You may not have employees working at their optimal level, but if you can really recognize what makes them different and what makes them tick and where they light up with with real purpose, that's going to be when they feel that they're actually contributing something valuable. That's where the peak performance levels will come into play.
1: And part of respecting them is also when you make that appointment, you're showing respect because. You know, it's not all about me. I want to talk to you right now. You better be available. No, I know. Maybe you're not available. I have to respect your emotional needs to make sure that you're in a place where you can hear what I have to say. Obviously, there's certain responsibilities at work. It's not just kind of you do whatever you want. You have responsibilities, especially as an employee. But it's important to to realize that this is a different person. This is not me, um, and I need to be sensitive to that.
0: And if you need help with any further ideas for how to get you know, peak performance from your staff or really invite their contribution, feel free to contact us because when we work with workplaces, we have, really interesting exercises that invite everybody's input and everybody's feedback, even within short meeting time frames when you have large groups and you and you wanna be able to take everyone's input, but you just can't because of time constraints or, or group size. We have lots of creative ways to be able to do that within team formats. So so we're really happy to share those strategies with you. But it's really all about in inviting people's feedback, making them feel like they contribute and are worthy, and and you'll see you'll see a lot of of great contributions. Um, yeah,
1: there's actually there was a study by Google Project Aristotle where they actually they they compared teams that were psychologically safe, teams that were not, and they found that teams that were psychologically safe where they let people open up and share. Um, and there was less negativity and criticism. They found that they actually, the teams performed much better because people, first of all, felt good about work. They wanted to get involved. They felt that they were valued. And the more a person feels valued, the more they're going to give input. So if you have a very tense work environment, um, people are afraid to speak up or people are just not happy, they're not going to perform as well. But if people feel like they're involved, that they, they matter, that what they're doing has value, then they're going to want to show up and bring their full potential. That combined together, some of the full potential of all the employees, you know, it just increases the output exponentially. So it serves everyone's interest to have a healthy work environment, emotionally intelligent, psychologically safe work environment, um, because it's just going to be better for the company. So in the short term, it may be difficult. It may, may take more time. It may take more intentionality. Um, it might seem like it just very slows everything down. But in the long run, you'll be happy that you did it.
0: It can be very beneficial. Yeah, and and one way You know, it can sometimes be threatening. This is going to stretch your your emotional intelligence muscle a little bit further, but it can sometimes feel threatening to take other people's input because it's almost like, wait a minute, I don't agree with what they're saying or they don't know what they're talking about and you really might disagree and you don't want to implement what they are sharing. And just because you're letting them share their input does not mean you're committing to or agreeing with what they're saying. You're just letting them share. And you can say a phrase, just something like, yeah, you know, what you're saying makes a lot of sense and that's not a commitment to implementing their idea that's not a promise of anything that's just letting them know what you're saying makes sense and you make sense and and i really appreciate your input and you can leave it at that no promises made but just giving you know sometimes people just want to feel hurt so that's number two is healthy respect and boundaries and that applies to partners as well um which we didn't really go into too much but I, guess I mean,
1: I it's the same idea that it's, a relationship is about making space for someone else. You can be right or you can be in a relationship. If you want to be in a relationship with someone, you have to be willing to work together. You have to be willing to not have everything revolve around you and your needs. And that's a very hard thing, especially in the beginning of a relationship where you feel like you're so much alike. Uh, but then when the power struggle ensues and the chemicals kind of wear away, you start realizing this person is not me. They're very different. But the goal, the idea of a mature relationship is to be able to differentiate, to be able to realize that your thoughts and feelings are equally as valid as mine. And we can still have that relationship in the space between. So that's creating those healthy boundaries. That's being respectful. And you know the same thing that we suggestions we gave for the business relationship, really what we do in in the couplehood as well, in terms of really listening to a person, letting them feel valued, not getting reactive, uh, making space for someone else. So our third point is going to be about expectations. And, you know, this is a killer for all relationships. I mean, talking about, let's see, committed relationships first. You know, expectations, as we said, are premeditated resentment. If you have an idea of what you want for the relationship and your spouse falls short of that, then you're already in a bad bad situation. And, you know, people have a lot of ideas about what marriage is all about or what relationships all about. But it doesn't always go that way. People are not just, you know, ro- robots. They're not going to just perform the way that you expect them to. They're complicated, We have lots of emotions, baggage that we carry, and it can be a a little bit messy. So, to go into a relationship, yes, you can have some goals, of course. Goals, wants, aspirations. But when you expect it, it's like, you're already saying, I expect this, and if this doesn't happen, I'm already going to be upset if it doesn't. So, you have to be able to have, a. on the one hand the aspirations and the goals, which hopefully you talked about with your significant other before you enter the relationship. And then the flexibility of dealing with life as it comes, because ultimately we are not in control. As much as we'd like to be, we're not. Um, So the more that we can give up control, and again, not giving up our dreams, but to give up the control that everything is going to be the way that I decided it would be. And to realize that there are two people here. There's also other extraneous circumstances that that impact, you know, let's think about the last two years. Who knew what that, that we would have been with this, with COVID, the lockdowns and all this and having children at home. I mean, who knew that this, who could have predicted this? You know, we have to deal with it. We have to figure out a way. We can't just be sitting there being all upset about it. We have to be able to figure out a way to, to cope with all the challenges. Having children at home, uh, working from home, having everybody at home, uh, not being able to get away, not being able to go out, travel, all these things um, that were extremely difficult and stressful for people. And had a very big impact on people's relationships, uh, but life is about being flexible. And, yeah, I think the tricky yeah. thing
0: sometimes with expectations is that we don't necessarily notice that we're having them because our brain is wired for self-preservation, like you said, Shlomo. So we see negative first before positive. So the expectations trap—it's so easy to fall into because we we are wired to see the negative, right? So so it's it's very easy to just. Like, go into that place of, oh, you didn't perform. You didn't do what I wanted. Right, you no. didn't, you're not the, you know, the higher that I thought you were. You're not the spouse I thought you were going to be.
1: And we have the baggage too because we have a certain way that we think life's supposed to to operate or a relationship's supposed to operate based on how we saw things in life or, or in growing up. And we've kind of told ourselves, not necessarily consciously, that, you know, my life is going to be like this or not like this. And because of that, that informs the way we view what's going on in the relationship. So as Rivka said, it's already kind of pre-programmed and we're not even necessarily aware of it. And then we react and get upset because something was not done based on an expectation that wasn't even necessarily shared with the other person. Yeah.
0: And then we didn't even know yeah. we had. So, yeah. so just watch out for the expectations trap. If you're, if you're constantly feeling disappointed or let down, you're probably in the expectations trap where you have it. And you feel like they're not being met, and so you're feeling disappointed. If you can find ways to lighten up and actually really get to know the person and appreciate their creativity and their differences and what they have to offer, you might really be pleasantly surprised.
1: And it's important to also, you know, it's and part of this is just being present, being in the, you know, I talk about being in the moment, being present. But that's if you're be if you're present in the moment, then nothing phases you because things are just supposed to be the way they are. It's not like they're spo- they, they were supposed to be this way. Otherwise, you're always living in the past or living in the future. Just Okay, this is the reality. Let me deal with it. And that's really, I think it's an emotionally intelligent person to be able to just deal with the situation as it is, as opposed to how you think it should be.
0: Absolutely. And, and
1: part of this also involves, besides the expectations, but you know, mind reading, thinking that we know what the other person is thinking or their interpretation of how they reacted. It's fascinating. I was working with I was working with a couple and you know one spouse made up this whole story about how the other spouse felt about them and the spouse said, you know that's not the way I see you at all. Like I think you're doing a great job and that's totally like from your own kind of inadequacy or, or low self-esteem that you would you would think that, that I think this way about you. but it's because of the reality that the person made up and then he starts thinking that he knows what's what his spouse is thinking. Based on his own story. So we we have to be aware of our stories and we have to take our stories out of it and really be present with what's actually happening as opposed to what to our distorted reality, which we all have.
0: Wow. That's really, really well said, Shlomo. Thank you all so much for being here today with this episode of the Emotional Intelligence Podcast. We hope you found it helpful to hear a little bit more about the intersection between the problems that we as marriage therapists see in relationships cross-examined with the conflicts that occur in workplace workplaces as well
1: and that it's this is the human condition so you know if you can be good at one you can be good at other it's all about being emotionally intelligent when you can do that it can cross all spectrums of your life
0: thank you